0: This is bigger than the game with Deremy Dove and Jose Ruiz. Manning takes the snap. He's back again. He looks, he fires, touchdown, Kevin Boss. And that should wrap it up. Boss, nine yards deep, center of the gun. 31 to 10. He goes down by three touchdowns. It's been done. It's almost into the miracle stage. It is first and 10. It in the spread formation with the slot to the far side of the field. 745 to go. In regulation. Takes the snap lead back. He's lucky. He floats it. Complete. Good. But with the football of Seller. At the 20. At the 15. 10-5. Touchdown. Score. It's an onside kick. Covered by Riley Cooper. Riley Cooper has it. And the Eagles recover the ball. They are moving quickly. 10, 14, 7, 13. Eagles trailing, 31 to 17. Vic in the gun. McCoy to his left. Ball comes back to Vic. Here comes the run. he ducks under a and he's gonna run. 40, 35, 30, 25, 20. Back at the 10. ducks out of the 6. The Eagles are alive. Eagles are only two for nine on third down conversion. but this is the biggest of all. Third down, it goes to the big. quarterback draw. He does. We've got a one touchdown game. You better believe there are a lot of nervous stomachs in the stadium right now. We have seen our share of miracles in Eagles Giants game. All right, 5:21 remaining. Years ago. A Giants beat writer, I believe for the Newark star legend by the name of Jerry Heisenberg, wrote an excellent book called No Medals for Battle. And there are not in this game, you win or you lose, but give the Eagles some credit for coming back and fighting with everything they're worth, which earlier in this game wasn't very much, but they have changed this game. The oh, Eagles cool. are 88 yards and 7 points away. What a game this has turned into. Vick's back, he's looking, here comes the rush, Nick Rowland. he's gonna run, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, and he is hit as he comes out of bounds at the 45-yard line, Michael Vick has given the Eagles life, 218, 217, get Vick to put the job, on second and 10, Vick takes the snap, he's back, He's looking. He steps up. He's going to run. He's at the 40. 35, 30. Cuts to the outside. Down at the 20. Down at the 19 goes Michael Vick. And that will take us to the 2 the 40. Hang on to your seats, ladies and gentlemen. This is something special. 140 to go in regulation. And the Eagles make it all the way back. It is second down at 3. A minute and 28. The ball of the Giants will. Vick in the gun. He's back. He looks. He fires Complete. It is to the back of the and, backland and runs in for the touchdown. corner of the line, and this place is in a short shot. A 13 yard touchdown pass by Jeremy Backlund. This is unbelievable. We're tied. We are tied at 31. Mike, I have not seen anything like this. If somehow, some way, be able to win this thing, I will tell you right now. This will be the most memorable Eagles game I will have ever broadcast. Acres to kick off. 31-31. The Eagles have made it all the way back. I have never seen anything like
1: this. Welcome to Bigger Than the Game with Deremy and Jose. I'm Deremy Dove. I'm joined by my partner in crime, the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Jose Ruiz. What's going on, man?
2: What's going on, Deremy? How you doing, man?
1: Man, uh, anytime you hear Merrill Reese.
2: Yeah, that was good.
1: All-time great broadcaster for the Eagles. But really, hearing some of his best work he's done in his forty-five year career, like I can't help but be pumped.
2: Yeah, and that's saying something because he's had a lot of great calls. But this, but this game here, he had a couple of them, and it, it just it just got my blood going already, man.
1: Now I got a, something because this game is special, and we're talking about miracle at the New Meadowlands. The New
2: Meadowlands to make yeah. the
1: differential between you know her not her Edwards play from seventy eight. No. great play in itself, but not talking about that one. We're talking about two thousand ten eagles at giants miracle at the new Meadowlands, and this is something i mean jose we started the show you know january of 2020 right before the pandemic you know hit and being quarantined and you know i remember like talking to you because you know just trying to th- figure out things to do and i'm like hey you cool with like if i do some extra episodes just with some random friends just to kind of like you know pass the time and get your mind off of what's going on around you know the world and you're like yeah yeah that's cool And I remember I talked to my brother, who's past guest on the show, and he's like, "Oh, maybe I can get some of my friends to come on." I'm like, "Sure, yeah, whatever they, you know." He got friends like from like the New York area, and he brought up this game, and I said, "We can't do this game." Yeah, (laughs) I'm like, "That that's not right for Jose." I'm like, "I feel like he'll it'll it'll hurt him if we do." I'm like, "So we you got to do something different. Do some do some the damn Knicks game or something like." I'm like, "But this game like." nah we can't do it and that, that's how I knew we didn't even talk about that nah. I just knew I'm like I feel like deep down that's gonna hurt like we do this you just see it on on Apple Podcasts like Miracle at the New Metal so I'm like
2: yeah I would've been hurt for sure yeah so yeah, I'm I like
1: I never told you that I was just was like it was yeah, automatic you no I'm like nah we're, we can't do that's I'm like, only if Jose can actually join that episode at that time otherwise I'm like nah which it's I, not
2: which I would've yeah. I, I would've jumped all over it cause like you said I mean, like this game here for me, it's one of I, I I'm putting top five games for me all time, maybe other than regular season games, it's yeah. probably my number one regular season game. I can't put like the Super Bowl run, things like that, a couple of McNabb playoff games over this game, but this one here, I remember exactly where I was at, who I was with. It's one of those games I would never forget.
1: Let me ask you, do you who do you like? Who were you with? Like what was? Oh,
2: I was I was at my I can tell you like it was yesterday, man. I was at my sister's house. We were in her basement. It was me, and my sister, my two older sisters, excuse me, and one of my brother in laws. My other brother in law was working. He was driving to to my sister's house, and he was texting me, "Oh, how's the game?" I was like, "Dude, take your time. <laughs> this is a blowout. This game is bullshit, you know." And then by the time he got to my sisters, they had just tied it up, and we were going crazy down there, man. And he was like, "What's going on?" Like I was like, "Dude, like they just tied the game up. They were down by like twenty something points." And I said, they just tied it up, and he was there for the punt return. And I can remember the punt return, and we'll get into the game, obviously, but I kind of want to, like, give you the scene. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the loudest I've ever yelled for a game. You know what I mean? Because as soon as he – as soon as Deshaun, like, broke the middle, I saw it. It was open. I was like, oh, my God, he's going to bring it back, dude. And it's just – I would never forget this game for sure.
1: No, I remember it, and I'm glad because for me it was the same. Um, The night before – no lie, my i my car got wrecked in a hit and run.
2: By a so, Gi- Giants fan?
1: <laughs> might as well have been. That's right. how pissed I was. But I was over at a buddy's house and all of a sudden like his neighbors rang the bell and like someone's car got smashed. Oh, you told me about this. And yeah. I knew. I'm like, that's my car. I'm like, damn it. My little 1995 Mitsubishi Mirage. Damn. I'm yeah. like. The Dove Mobile. It, 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 I had it for a few months and it was my my trunk was in my passenger seat. They, 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 It got wrecked. And I was just like, I was down because I'm like, you know, that's my hell little yeah, car. I, have, I, I work at Wendy's. I don't make any money. So the next day I had to get a ride to a buddy's, My Chris Estevez. I'll shout him out on here. Um, We were watching the game at his house and his fantasy playoffs and everything. And the Eagles, you know, like you said, we're getting to the game, but just we're looking rough. And I was like, yo, man, like it's, it's getting out of hand. Go to red zone. Go to red zone, man. Yeah and he had Vic in the fantasy playoffs so he kept watching he was an Eagles fan but he was watching for Vic right but when it got to we heard the beginning of the clip with Merrill when he said it's pretty much done that 31-10 I was like yo we go to red zone man like I don't I'm I'm pissed we're losing to the Giants come on man like we're blown the division and he would go to red zone but he went back yeah and to this day I get made cuz everyone remembers me saying there was a lot of people there and I was like yo why are you wasting your time like we are done I was mad and when that comeback kept happening, and for that punt return, you're right, one of the loudest I've ever been. And I'm not someone who's a loud sports fan.
2: Me neither. We always talk about this. Yeah, I'm not the same.
1: But that was that was one of those, like, I was glad to have egg on my face, like, to see that. Because that was special. And I agree. Uh, for a non-playoff game, um, it, it's football. I don't think there's anything better than that one for me, for a non-playoff game. Like, that was that unbelievable.
2: No, I mean, and you just put... A lot of things together right you think about for me this team this like vic run was one of my favorite eagles like runs mm-hmm. you know what i mean like i can't put it ahead of like the mcnab run or even like the super bowl run I, I can't do that but like entertainment wise and like for me like be excited to watch a team this team here was up there for me with, with any eagles team like right. not just this year but like this year, the following season, like those two seasons, man, they were so much fun to watch. I, I love this Eagles, especially offensively. It was they were just so much fun to watch. Plus, you add the New York Giants into this right scenario, and in the New Meadowlands, let's just say, and it, it was just it had all the makings for, for like for like something great that I'm never going to forget.
1: Well, and I think that's huge what you said because to me, we talk about this improbable comeback, and we should. But I look at, like, the story, it's a it kind of completes the story of two men who took a chance on each other, especially one on, But like, Michael Vick and Andy Reid. Right. And this was, like, a completion of, like, you know, for what Michael Vick had been through, you know, just a few years earlier, and what Andy Reid kind of had seen through his own personal life. Right. And Andy Reid took a risk on Michael Vick. And this wasn't supposed to be, you know. It wasn't supposed to be. Vick was kind of like... A backup and gets given him that chance to kind of like be back in the NFL. And this was like the, uh, to me, this game was the completion of the comeback story. To me, you kind of saw with Vic off the field, like, I could, I'm like, oh, this is, feels like it's for real. Like, he really learned, like, and grew up with, you know, having to go away for, you know, those 18 months or 21 months, really. But to me, on the field, this was the completion of like the growth of Michael Vick.
2: Yeah, this game here, and I also put that Monday night like Washington game for me. That was the best game I've ever seen an Eagles quarterback play. But like, this is why you drafted Michael Vick number one overall if you're the Atlanta Falcons. Like watching that game as a as, if I was a Falcons fan would have broke my heart, you know, because that's that's what you were looking for. And look, he's had some great he had great seasons in Atlanta, but when he came to the Eagles, he put it all together. You know, there was. There was the athletic ability that was still there. Mm-hmm. Like he was like 29 years old when the Eagles signed him in '09. I think he was 29, roughly around there. And so you, the athletic ability is still there, but now you got the coaching, and now they're adding more to the mechanics. And you know, the, so now you got the passing game with Vic now, and it, it just all came together. And this game here, it was just like a culmination, like you were talking about, like just everything just came together in that fourth quarter in that second half. And you saw what Michael Vick was supposed to do in the NFL.
1: And to me, and I, I hear you, like if you're especially at that point a Falcons fan and you're like, man, but I don't think the way Michael Vick was, and like you said, he he showed he had great moments, he had great wins. Yeah. You know, um in Atlanta, but this wouldn't have happened with the Michael Vick that was in Atlanta.
2: Oh, absolutely not, no.
1: And not because no. of his athletic ability, it's because of the maturity. Right. You know, that they like you didn't have that, Michael Vick, and that—that that to me is what kind of makes this special. Which is that for what he went through, and this wasn't supposed to be. This wasn't supposed to happen. And for that, like, that Washington game was like awesome as far as like highlight like a like Madden football kind of
2: dude. That game was the shit. Man.
1: It was a great game, but <laughs> this this is the game for me over that one because I kind of felt like when you had Michael Vick down in Atlanta. He was down.
2: Yeah, it was over. Game's over.
1: You know, like, he was a a great human highlight reel and exciting. He had some awesome, like, plays, but he didn't have – he kind of used his athletic ability. He wasn't a guy who was studying. It was either – if he could just kind of scramble around and make a play, kind of like what they did with Randall back in the 80s, like go make a few big plays. If he was down and losing, I felt – the I didn't feel like the Falcons could come back. I didn't feel like he was the guy to lead them. So to see them – and really, just pretty much done. I don't know. I, don't, I didn't look up the percentages, but I'm wondering what percent at that point, with seven minutes left to go when you're down by 21, the Eagles probably what a three percent chance to win that game or something, it's something like that, something really low. Like yeah. Michael Vick at you know before that moment would not be a guy I'm thinking can get this job done.
2: No, and then the way he got it done was it was just all Michael Vick. You know what I mean? Like, look, the defense stepped up. Obviously, special teams, which we'll get into in a little while, but that obviously they obviously stepped up. But the way he brought them back, right? Like it wasn't he was just throwing the ball all over the place, which he was, but he was also doing it with his legs, man. And he was, you know, he was ducking blitzes. He was outrunning linemen like Vic does. And it, it was just it was just amazing to see that, man. Because, again, that Washington game I'm referring to, he did a lot of that through the air. You yeah. know, it was a lot of long touchdowns, especially that first play to – Deshaun Jackson. I mean, he had one nice run in that game. But this, it, it was just like all the tools were, were on display. He was using his legs. He was using his arm. He was making great reads. He was some touch passes, some bullet passes. It was like everything in his arsenal was 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 here on display. And it just looked beautiful, man.
1: No, nah, And, you know, a lot of time, and, you know, they've had the 30 for 30 on Vic and the Football Life episode on Vic. And a lot of times now, I think, and rightfully so, he's he's a part of that line of great athletic quarterbacks. So when we talk about current day, with Lamar and Mahomes and and Russell Wilson, people are looking at Michael Vick, and he should be a part of that. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But when you go back to around 2007, with everything that was going on with that dog fighting scandal, it was looking like not only you know we knew Michael Vick was going to prison. But like his NFL career was over and even his wife said when he got out after being away for 21 months, I think we need to kind of start looking at life after football. Because for those either who forget or maybe if people are listening and are younger, how big of a story that was and it got all the way like it was national coverage and politicians were getting involved and he was really kind of like made to be put on as an example of like this athlete with all this money and they were trying to take him down. And I'm not saying he didn't do anything wrong, right? but he was made to put an example of, and I kind of thought at that point yeah, Michael Vick's career is over. And it's going to end as far as on the field It's going to be a sad, like what if story.
2: Yes. I, I felt the same way. You know, I definitely felt the same way and you were right. Like, especially even when he came back and a lot of teams were shying away from him because they knew what was going to come if they would assign Vick. And, you know, I, I can just remember him when they had the, you know, when they were following him, driving to you know, the prison yeah. and stuff like that. I was like, man, like this talent here, we're gonna lose out on that. You know, we just got a we just got a, a glimpse, and we're gonna miss out on that. But not only that, I was looking at it as, you know, here we go, an African American quarterback, and this is gonna be a story where it's like the field of play wasn't, you know, the important thing. It was off the field. And that's just going to add to that persona. Like, you see, like, this is why, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, so that's, I was looking at that more than even like the play. Cause again, like I wasn't a Falcons fan, you know, the Eagles were beating the Falcons. So it was, you know, to me, Vic wasn't like, he was a great player, but that part of it wasn't a big deal for me. It was more of like, what's going to come with that. And it wasn't well, going to be And pretty. to me,
1: that's why I thought he wasn't. Because it Damn, was a me, black man. I right. thought he wouldn't get that chance. Right. And the way, I'll be honest, and, and I know Jose, you you got Thor, you love dogs. Yeah. So I'm a dog fan. But I I'm like not that it wasn't wrong, but politicians who I'm like, you never talk about dog fighting on the on the US yeah. Capitol floor exactly. and stuff. But because it was a story we're piling on and I'm like, he's not going to survive this. And I remember the one time when he was getting transported to like I think like the more maximum facility federal prison yeah. yeah and like they a camera went through like the peephole and like saw him in shackles and one of the times like especially with sports where it just it was devastating I remember where yeah. I was watching that and because I'm like yeah you had to get that you had to see this black quarterback in shackles now in jail and that's going to be that lasting image and that one of the it was like. It felt personal. Right. And for a quarterback who, like you said, not a Falcon fan, not a, you know, I thought Michael Vick was amazing talent, but didn't have any personal connection with him. But when I saw that, it was like, damn, like that's going to be his lasting, mem- you know, image.
2: Right. And that's and a shame. You know what I mean? And and that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to bring this guy down because, look, at that arrow. you got the. You know, everybody had the the cornrows or the braids, whatever, however you want to call them. They had the big clothes, the three X T shirts, <laughs> you know, the big jerseys, and all of that. And you didn't. People are were and are still uncomfortable with something like that being like the the face of your franchise, like you know, someone who personified like hip hop. He's in videos, like they didn't. They don't want that. You know what I mean? Like they want that clean cut, like Peyton Manning type of quarterback. Like if we're being honest here, like so that. When I Again, that was when I, to my point, it's like the people who don't want that now, look, they have their reason why. And this is why. This is what we're talking about. You know what I mean? Like, it it was just, it it was heartbreaking. You know what I mean? Because, again, I I don't want to see a great talent like that go down the way he went down. And let's be honest, like, you know, people were jumping all over him because... You know, there are some people who care more about dogs than, like, minority kids. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's it's crazy. Like well, A lot of people, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, and look, and you said it. Like, I have, I, I love my dog, man. You know what I mean? My little guy's, like, one of my best friends, man. And and what he did was terrible. You know what I'm saying? But I'm glad that he got a second chance because he deserved a second chance, you know? And I'm one, I'm big, I don't know, I know you feel the same way. I, I'm big on second chances. Yeah. And that's why, for me, he was one of my favorite players of all time. Because when he came back, not only did he come back and play well, but he, everything he talked about that he was going to do, he did it. You know what I mean? He was speaking, he was speaking out on that stuff. He was, you know, he was doing all the interviews. He was doing all the press conferences. He was not shying away. He was taking all those tough questions. And he was standing up there and answering them. Absolutely. And I gave him all that. He got all my respect with that. Even though I know what he did was terrible. But the comeback was, was it was great.
1: And I'll be honest. This is where, you know, as far as the head coach at the time, Andy Reid, I liked Andy Reid. I I, I liked him. This made me love Andy Reid. Me too. And I'll say this because I don't think another coach would have touched him.
2: Well, nobody else did. And no one else
1: did. And because of what Andy Reid, you know, with his sons had went through. And Andy Reid, you know, had his two oldest sons at the time were, you know, locked up for, you know, different drug and gun charges and Andy Reid went to the jail and saw his sons. And he knew that feeling of, hey, it's not just, like, from afar, someone going to jail. He knew, like, his sons were in jail. It was in the media spotlight, you know, yeah. locally. It was a huge yeah, story. It was locally. a big story. And he. I was listening to an interview a couple weeks ago with him, like, listening back to when he was talking with Steve Sable about it. And Steve Sable asked him, and he said, you know, He was going to the jails and talking to people about what needs to happen once guys get out and how do you help. And I really do believe when Andy signed Michael Vick, I don't think he saw what happened. You know, he signed him for the 2009 season and 2010 is that great comeback year. I don't think he did it with that mastermind plan of this is going to be my quarterback who's going to be the face of the franchise. I think it was like, yeah, he could play and he could be a gadget guy, but to give him that second chance and to say, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I know what it's like. I have two sons who are in jail, and they, I want them to have second chances. I'm going to give this young man a second chance.
2: No, it's a great point because again, when he got signed in 09, he was a third string quarterback. You had McNabb, Kevin Cobb, and then you have Vic. Even in, 2000, in 2010, Vic wasn't the starter Absolutely. week one. It was Kevin Cobb until Clay Matthews Thank put you, his Clay. yeah put his head through the dirt, like you know what I mean through the, and and. And knock Kevin Cobb out of the game. And, you know, you saw flashes in that Green Bay game. And they they was, I think it was like 21. I can't remember the score, but that's the playoff game I'm thinking about. But, you know, he came in, was running around, made a couple throws. And Andy was like, okay, like, let's see what we got here. And he did not give up that position. So, no, I agree with you 100%. I do think, and even when that was happening and when he signed him, I knew it. I was like, man, Andy's just, like, he's giving him a second chance that nobody else is going to do. And Andy had that clout. At that time in his tenure in the NFL, to be one of those coaches that can do that, and he did it, man, and and it paid off tremendously.
1: And I never forget even um, the Eagles' owner Jeffrey Lurie, who's not a face like a vocal like you always see him like you know, like a well, Jerry Jones or Robert Kraft. You see a little bit more. He is now, but you, you see Jeffrey Lurie, but especially for like contracts and player moves, he's not really leading those press conferences. I never forget when they signed Vic to see him out there. And I felt like I mean I don't have this on record you know we're not you know behind those closed doors not yet not yet but I felt like that was one that Andy really had to like fight and convince Jeffrey Lurie to do and Jeffrey Lurie publicly said like he's on watch one little thing Michael Vick is gone and I had never seen I don't see too many owners doing that about a player they just brought in and I had never seen Jeffrey Lurie before since do that and I feel like that was a thing that wasn't like everyone was on board. I feel like Andy went to bat for him right. to get that. And like you said, he had the clout. But I think that was one of those like I felt like this was one that uh, like it's probably 50-50 at best of people who were down with this decision at the time. And the fan base was the same way where it, it felt like split of a lot of Eagles fans who were pretty much saying they're done. They're done being fans of 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 the Eagles because they their love of dogs and their how could you bring him in here? It was that divisive at the time.
2: Yeah, it was ugly, and you know, and, and they knew it was going to be ugly. And again, I, I just think if you're a second year, third year head coach, and you know you're doing okay, like you're not making that the Eagles weren't making that move. You yeah. know, like we have Andy Reid who has been here. I, I can't remember at that point in time. I think it was like ten years. It was at like that ten point. years. Yeah. So he and he had a lot of success. So it, it's like he was able to do that. And and luckily for Vic and Vic even said, it, I'm like he was talking to his wife and I think it was the. Um, I can't remember what it wasn't the 30 for 30. It was the, it was football, the football life. life yeah, yeah. When his wife was talking about like, oh, I got a call from the from Philadelphia. I'm going to Philadelphia tomorrow night. And, you know, I, I just I, I feel like this was an Andy move. Because even in that press conference you're talking about with Jeffrey Lurie, his tone, his demeanor was totally different. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he, he was even speaking like it was like he was angry. You yeah. know what I mean? like And it was just like one false thing off the field is going to be the biggest mistake we've ever done. Yeah, And to, to Vic's credit, you know what I'm saying? And again, like I, I know what he did was terrible. But to his credit, like he came in and he did what he had to do to kind of change his perspective or, or people's perspective of him. And it took a lot of hard work. Because yeah. like you said, like here in Philly, it, it was nuts. You know, they were outside of, the, you know, the complex picketing and all this stuff. And people were talking about giving up their season tickets. And like, I, I guess, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I guess, but this this was ugly, man. But then he he proved them wrong. And by on the field and off the
1: field. Yeah. And I think it's huge to say that, you know Jeffrey Lurie later on said President Obama at the time called him and said he appreciates that the Eagles are doing that move because so many people, you know, don't realize how it is when someone gets locked up and they are trying to make, but no one's going to even give them a chance to show that they've you know learned to give them that second chance. They're they're done. And then people wonder why, you know, that's a whole different story, but why that cycle, that revolving door keeps happening. Right. And so that to me was like, yes, like we need to kind of have, show those examples. And that's the power of sports too. Right. Like it can show that. And that's why to me it was huge that Obama said, like, no, we need this. He needs to be shown that like, hey, yeah, he made a mistake, but he did his time and we need to give him a second chance. And I thought that was just, it was the reason why like, as great of a coach as Andy Reid is, still is to this day. Yeah. Future Hall of Famer. But it's like that's why players love him because they see things like that.
2: And he still – I mean, he did it in Kansas City, you know what I mean, with Tyreek Hill. Like he had all those issues and everybody wanted him to cut Tyreek Hill, and he did, and he kept them. He worked with it. You know, he worked through with it with him. And, you know, there was a bunch of other players, you know what I mean, that Andy's given those opportunities to. And that, that says a lot, man. And like you said, like, you know – I can remember, especially around this time, like in the Eagles years, like his, pre- con- his press conferences were, were rough. You know what I mean? Like he was having trouble. He was stuttering and time's yours, like all that stuff. But, you know, he did that for his players. You yeah, know, it his on like, purpose. Yeah, he did that for his players and took a lot of heat for his players, and that's why those dudes would run through walls for him. Yeah. You know, and, and for that, I, I respect Andy so, so much.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you brought up the interesting thing going into 2010. You know, that Eagles team— It was supposed to be, you know, that's the first year after the McNabb era, you know, was done. So we had 10 years of it was Andy and Donovan together. Successful years. Successful years, you know, years that really get overlooked, honestly. Yeah. Especially locally, but even nationally now, too.
2: Especially McNabb.
1: Yeah. But you look at it, it was a big deal in that way. Where, like, hey, this is the post-McNabb. This guy was the franchise quarterback, so who's going to take the reins? And we had Mike Vicky, Like you say, he was third string in '09. He's the backup here, but it's really supposed to be the Kevin Cobb show, right? And Andy, at this point, has shown—you know—he's like a QB whisperer. You know, he he helped out you know, at McNabb, but then even like AJ Feely, and yeah. you know, helped bring back Jeff Garcia's career a little bit. So people are looking at Kevin Cobb as like he's going to be the future franchise quarterback. And you said at week one, Clay Matthews kind of ended that story real quick,
2: real quick, yeah. He, it was, a, it was an ugly... Not, it wasn't like an ugly hit. But if you don't remember the play or have never seen the play, it's, you know, he was chasing him down from behind. He grabbed him from behind and the way Cobb just... His head slammed on the yeah. on, on the field. And, you know, he didn't get up. No. You know what I mean? And and I can remember... And even Vic was saying, like, in, in, in that same uh, football life, he was like, Kev, get up. Like, cause mm-hmm. he said he felt like he wasn't ready. And I felt like the Eagles weren't ready for that either. You know what I'm saying? Like, because I... In oh nine, you saw the glimpses of, of Vic. Andy would throw him in there for time to time as a wide receiver, running back, all and even a quarterback, but he was mostly doing like wild wild cat plays. And, you know, it wasn't really – you didn't get like a, a – you didn't get like a – you didn't see a lot from Vic. You know what I yeah. mean? He didn't have that opportunity. But, you know, in 2010 and week one, like we were going to see that. And, you know, at this point in time, you know, me and you talked about this team a lot, you know, but Andy's starting to build something here. You know, yeah. what I mean? like he's his his vision is starting to come. Well,
1: I was going to say we talked about check the archives, check them, check in him. our Andy Reid episode, you know, way back after they won the Super Bowl, you know, way back in twenty twenty. But talking about like the offense that you're seeing today with Kansas City, really the formation that kind of started around this time uh, when you have Deshaun Jackson, you got Macklin, you have LaShawn McCoy in the backfield, and then it's supposed to be Kevin Cobb, but then Vic at the helm. You know what that offense? You look at the 2010 Eagles. What you're seeing the past few years with Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Kelsey, and whether it, you know from a uh, Kareem Kareem Hunt Hunt was there now, just throwing up get from Kansas City back. <laughs> but <laughs> like
2: Clyde Edward hilarious. He, he's whatever. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> but that's that's the offense that you're seeing now. It kind of started. This twenty ten season,
2: yeah, I agree. This was the vision, you know what I mean. Uh, he was our it, it was starting here, you know. Even he had Brett Selig, and Brett Selig is not no, no yeah. Kelsey, you yeah. know what I mean. Like
1: I like Brent though,
2: I do too. But he was a good tight end, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. So it was like, and even this season, this twenty ten season, they had a good year, but the following season, this offense really blew up, and you know they were eight and eight, you know what I mean. They didn't make the playoffs, but you saw the talent here, and what he did, he was just building speed. You know, offense revolving around speed, just like he has in Kansas City, you know what I mean, right now. And, you know, it this was coming. You know what I'm saying? He had the Mahomes. He thought he had the Mahomes and Vic. You know, he had the Tyreek Hill and Deshaun Jackson. He even had Macklin. Well, Macklin was a good receiver, too. Yes. And at that point in time, McCoy was a top three running back in the I league. agree. You know, I know that's your boy. Ah, oh, boy. <laughs> I loved McCoy.
1: I could not stand him. Yeah. But he was a
2: great talent. Great talent. He was a a really, really good running back, and um, especially the following season. The following season, he had an amazing season, but the offense was there. You know what I mean? And the defense kind of, you know, then he had the talent that they had in those previous, like, you know, NFC Championship runs, but, you know, they they still had the same philosophy. You know, he had Sean McDermott there. Like, he was blitzing everybody like crazy, even in this game we're going to get into. The Eagles were blitzing them like crazy, but... It, it was just the talent was here, and it was just starting to build, and he was building something really, really great.
1: No, so, you know, when we go into this week, this week 15 matchup, you know, and we're in December, the Eagles kind of weren't picked. They were kind of, like, not sure what the, going into the year with Kevin Cobb, and this is a surprise run that they're battling, yeah. you know, Giants. The Eagles and Giants are tied 9-4, and four, battling for, like, trying to really win this division. And so it's kind of that surprise, and that's what leads up to this game. It's, I mean, every game is big, but this is a game that's really going to decide playoff implications, decide who's going to win the NFC East going into this Miracle New Meadowlands game.
2: Yeah, it was a huge game, right? It wasn't just between the Eagles and Giants. What those games are are always big games. Because right. I know a lot of people you know, in the city, here in, in Philly especially, you know, they always think, like, it's the Cowboys. Like, we hate the Cowboys, you know. And for a long time there, yeah, I get it. Like, I know there's a lot of Cowboys here. Like, I can't act like that's not the case. But for me, I felt like it was more the Giants for a while there. You know what I mean? Because those two teams, it was always, like, the Eagles would win three or four in a row. The Giants would roll off, like, another six wins in a row. Especially when they had, like, the straight hand and Kerry Collins and T. Yeah. Barber. Like, those teams, the Eagles couldn't beat them. And then this Andy Reid era came and shifted that. And then they couldn't beat the Eagles. It, it was just... For me, it was more the Giants for a long time than the Cowboys. I, what about you, Daniel? I've
1: always been, like, you know, I get it for those of a certain age. If you go back to the Landry years and do a Jimmy when they kind of got on top, why you hate the Cowboys still. Yeah. But to me, if you go back, probably even a little bit before, but I'll say definitely from the year 2000 to present day, the, no question the Eagles' number one like rival are the Giants.
2: Yeah, and, and I feel like it's vice versa. It's like the yeah, same thing.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't feel like I mean the Eagles and Cowboys. Like yeah, it's that history there, and the Cowboys are just a the um, quote unquote America's team. But to me, growing up, you know, in the '90s, it was the Giant, and to still is. There's no team in the NFL that gets me angrier. I can't stand more than the Giants. Like it's not even close. And I t- I don't. I'll be honest. I don't understand. Like I said, some fans, I get it from the past. If you go back that far and you remember it, I mean, that's what our show is. I get it. But to me, there's no way in current day you can't hate. And also, like the characters who the Giants have had. They've had from Tiki to Eli in that face. Yeah. You know, like whether it's Jim Fossil or, or Coughlin, it's like, oh man, now Joe Judge now. I can't right. stand I, Joe I Judge. I can't
2: either. I can You can't know, either. like
1: Strahan and Runyon going at it. Yeah. You know, Tuck and OC. Like there's just way more guys like, who, like, I can't. You stand.
2: And, and Winston Justice. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Ooh, boy, that was a bad
2: one. <laughs> that was ugly.
1: But those, those are like, that's the rivalry. So to me, and this rivalry especially has a history of just funky plays, crazy games, like you don't know what's going to happen, like like the unexpected is expected in an Eagles Giants game. And there's a history from 78 with Herm Edwards, yeah. 88 with uh with Clyde Simmons on that, you know, blocked field goal, picking the ball up and winning, going in and getting a uh, win for the Eagles. You know, just so many crazy—the Brian Westbrook yeah, the punt returning in 03, yeah. uh The Giants coming back on the Eagles in o six, 6 and Eli hitting uh, Plaxico for the touchdown. There's always just a history— Or even,
2: like, the Eagles closed out the Meadowlands. Like, that yeah. it was the last time they played was in the playoffs, I believe. That's when McNabb went on that run and grabbed the headset on the sidelines. They kept the phone. Yeah, yeah. That was
1: yeah. uh 8 the divisional. Yeah, right. right. So, there's, yeah, there's always those games.
2: And even if you want to really go into history, you can go to 1960— with Chuck McNary killed Frank Gifford, you know what I mean? Like that, like it. There's history, man. Like this isn't like something that just came up in the last ten years. Like that, this is history. And it's and what I love too. It's I, I know a lot of Giants fans, you know what I mean? Like I, I know Cowboys fans, but these people lived in New York and they were Giants fans. and They were born and raised as Giants fans, and you know they just so happened to move to Philly, but they're still diehard Giants fans, which is a fan base I respect. You know what I mean? Like they're they're knowledgeable fan base, but like I know, so I can sit in a room with ten Giants fans and watch a game. Like I, I've done that, you know. So that's why for me, it's 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 a little more personal. You know what yeah. I mean? Like because it's like you have that New York Philly rivalry that's already existing. You know what I mean? And it's just you add that, and if these two teams were good, like they were this season, man, that game is just magnified that much.
1: Absolutely, no doubt. And so to me, I I go into this and I look at it and I think. When I see this game, and I know, like, obviously we're looking back now, so in the the moment you don't know it, but I'm looking at it, and I I feel like the Giants didn't play great. I mean, to get up, like, you know, that that 24-3 lead, it was more, especially not even the Eagles' offense especially, just came out flat. It just seemed like in a game that was a big, you know, this is Week 15, it's fighting for a division, it just came out like a flat offense. Like it just seemed like you know, like they just didn't have that energy going. And it wasn't so much what the Giants were doing as what the Eagles weren't doing.
2: And they had opportunities. Like they had in the beginning. I think it was the first quarter. Um, Eli almost throws a pick to quit Michael. He literally hit him in his hands. And then I think the next punt return, uh, he it was fumbled. The punt was fumbled, and the Giants recovered it. Yeah. Even though there was like five Eagles around the ball. And then Eli was throwing a couple passes up like he normally does. Up for grabs and the Eagles was just not coming down with those interceptions. So I was re watching this, I was like, man, like they had they shouldn't have been down that big. You right. know what I mean? Like they had opportunities to put points on the board and they and they didn't. And it
1: wasn't so much the Eagles defense to me. Right. It, it was just them, you know, from these turnovers or just bad field position, the Eagles D was put in these spots. I wasn't impressed with what I was seeing out of Eli and the offense that, you know, looking back on it.
2: Right. No, I, I wasn't either. And again, it it was just if the Eagles, even if they pick up that punt return fumble, you know, they're in the red zone already. You know what I mean? So they're in 8 they're in goal range and, you know, they're at least going to get three points out of that. And they just they just couldn't come up with any of the turnovers. And the Giants capitalized and started putting up points.
1: No. And so at one point, it's a 24 three. You know, giant game. Yeah, that's when that you were calling half. for the red zone. I was calling for red zone. You know, that was that was right by the time red zone was like just premiering. That so. was
2: red zone was the shit.
1: Yeah, so it's great now we're like used to it. But at the point, I'm like, this Scott is my hero. I'm like, this, I love
2: this. Yeah, when you first experience the red zone, it, it's like a game changer. For sure. it,
1: it's you can't go back. You can't go back to just going. You know, going back to Fox and CBS back and forth. Those yeah. two. I'm like, I can't. I can't live that life anymore. Nah. I've seen a new way bigger than a game now absolutely absolutely love some Scott but that that's where yeah it, it was that way and I think honestly that was the frustrating part if Eli and the Giants offense was clicking obviously right you don't want to lose to your biggest rival and it would have stung but I would have said hey all right Eli's in the zone it was the fact that the Eagles offense was especially them were kind of just self-destructing
2: yeah and you know I, the Eagles offense was having a rough first half for sure and the Giants were blitzing the hell out of Vic too, and you know they paid for that later on, which we I'll get into. Um, but in that first half, that blitz was working. You know what I mean? Like they they were getting to Vic, they were making him run. They were, you know, he was off balance, making a lot of off balance throws, and you know, and he threw up a couple of passes that could have been intercepted, which weren't. So this game could have been even uglier, you know. But the adjustment the Eagles made, a couple things happened at halftime, and then the non-adjustments the Giants made after halftime really played into what happened at the end here. Well,
1: can you blame him, though, for the Giants' part? No. Because it, after halftime, it's still a struggle for the Eagles' offense. You know, and I do think the Eagles' offense did adjust. They got you, but I give the Giants' credit uh, because, to me, Vic, you know, this is obviously statistically his best. I think it's his best year, no matter what, like, in 2010. Uh, this, this year's a, yeah, and he, a great year. I think he should have won MVP this year, honestly. But...
2: Yeah, 30 touchdowns, like yeah. 21 passes. Yeah, I, I think
1: Vick should have been the MVP. But, like, I look at it, he still had that lure. Was it wasn't Atlanta, Michael Vick, but he still had that lure of how fast he was. And, like, a lot of defenses still weren't sure how to play him. Did they kind of go and prevent? Did you put a spy on him? And I do give the Giants credit. They were coming after him. They weren't letting that fear. Like you said, later on, we'll get into it, it, it burns them. Yeah. But I give them credit for, especially that first half, getting after him and not really being... Intimidated by his speed,
2: right? And one thing that I I noticed watching the game, rewatching the game, and it's funny because you know the stuff in the NFL like just doesn't go away, right? It just you know teams consistently do the same thing, and the same way Lamar Jackson right now is, is he's struggling these last couple of weeks, and it's the same blitz. It's, mm-hmm. They're blitzing not with linebackers, they're blitzing with DBs.
1: Yeah, Miami got him.
2: Yeah, Miami put I think put the blueprint out. Yeah, on, on Lamar. Yeah, yeah and the, it. The Giants were doing the same thing with Vick here. They were mm-hmm. blitzing a lot of secondary players, corners and safeties and which if you have a quarterback with that amount of speed, a linebacker is not going to really catch him. Some might, but
1: it's very, very few. few,
2: you know. So, you're going to ca- you're going to be able to ca- like catch him with a with the DB for sure. And I was re I was when we were, when I was rewatching watching, I was like, man, like it's it's like the blueprint almost for Lamar Jackson. It's like just right in front of me and it was just it was just funny to me. I, I just it's funny how I noticed that.
1: No, that's a good point. Great point, honestly. And it's the truth uh you wonder why teams don't do it more and like sometimes right. like you kinda see a little bit more of Baltimore, like you said, like current day, but sometimes I just wonder. Um like I give Bill Belichick this, not to go too off, but like he kinda simplifies it. I'm gonna try to take away what you do best. Right. And I'm like that's so simple. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people don't do that. They like don't. they really don't. Like he's like, I'm not just going to let the thing that you do well. I'm not. I'm going to put up a fight at least. Yeah. And I'm like, why don't more teams do that? And to your point, looking at this 2010 game, the Giants were doing that. They were like looking at the team. They're like, yeah, our DBs are the guys who can catch them. Let's blitz them and throw. Like you said, keep them off balance. And they were doing it.
2: Yeah. Uh, but my my issue with the Giants is that when the Eagles adjusted to that, the Giants did not. You know True. What I mean? And they just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And that was the Giants. That was their MO. You know what I mean? Like They were, they were going to come after the quarterback, and they had tons of success doing that. But I just think sometimes you got to you gotta back off a little bit, especially when these guys start burning you, especially with Vic Speed and you got Macklin and Jackson on the outside. Their speed to burn there, man. And if you miss one tackle, as we saw in the second half, it was going to cost you.
1: How much of it you think, Uh, just real quick, was – you look at it, there is no blueprint on this new Michael Vick. Right. You know, you have Atlanta Michael Vick who wasn't gonna make the reads. He was just gonna beat you with his legs. You know, uh they ran the ball with him and you know, work done and yeah. you know.
2: It was it was either Crumpler or yeah. I'm out.
1: <laughs> exactly. Is Algie Crumpler or nothing. So like and like we said earlier, he didn't play much in 0-9. He was like a gadget kind of guy. So this twenty ten Vick, you know, he comes in week one when Cobb gets hurt. Teams are seeing this new, you know, more smarter, up top, you know, kind of player. They're seeing it for the first time, and they're kind of getting used to it. How much do you think it was? Like, they're not a, not a big blueprint on this new and improved Michael Vick.
2: I mean, I, I can see that, but this is also Week 15. You know what I mean? Like, and, and at that point, these these coordinators, man, they, they got tape on you, you know. But the problem is, you also have Andy Reid calling these plays and if you can you can still see it to this day with Kansas City like he's going to put these players in the position man to succeed and this Eagles offense was very difficult to match up against because again if you play these guys man-to-man and start a blitz Vic you might get Deshaun Jackson over the top if you you know lay back and play a zone or something you might get McCoy 30 times a game and he's going to put 180 on you or if you can't if you stop all of that then you might get Vic running out of the backfield and for 30 yards. Like, it, it was just a very difficult offense to defend, and I just feel like teams would try a few different things, and it, it's just a lot of stuff was not successful.
1: Yeah, I, I'm i going to take an unpopular opinion here. Uh-oh. And I think I, I don't necessarily blame the Giants for it because it's just something that had – now, could they mix up a little bit than they they did? I see that. But it's something to me that, like, it had been working. It been throwing them off, and I would rather – Hey, put pressure on him than to kind of play back a lot and then let him like pick you apart or still like scramble. I'd rather go out, you know, trying. Yeah. And I felt like too many teams, like we were saying, even to this day, they play too passive with an uh, athletic quarterback, and it's like, no, some you that kinda helps them better. Like they yeah. can pick your it's like picking their poison then. Like you have to put pressure on them. And I do give the Giants credit for doing yeah. it early, and I get why they Kind of kept doing it later than saying, "Hey, he's going to pick us apart."
2: Yeah, no, I, I get it. Man, you live by the blitz, you die by the blitz. And I'm, I, I'd rather have a coordinator who's gonna, who's going to call defense that way than have somebody. Oh, we're up twenty one points. We're just going to let them, you know, go up and down the field, as you see a lot in today's game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more of like a bend don't break type of thing. And it's like, you know, teams will let teams go up and down the, between the twenties. And it's like once you're in the red zone, then you can tighten up and. You know, a lot of defenses doing that today. But, yeah, I give them that credit. You know what I'm saying? They just kept coming after them. Because then also, when you're aggressive like that, you create turnovers. So, if you can create a couple turnovers, then you can put this game away for sure. And the Giants were kind of close to doing that a couple times.
1: But, to me, the interesting part, when we take it to the fourth quarter, the Giants are up 24-10. And it's one of those things, that I remember how frustrated I was with Andy Reid for not throwing the, the challenge flag. Oh, yeah. But on a play where Vic hits Deshaun, for a first down, he's clearly touched by Kenny Phillips, and he goes to the ground, and it's fumbled, and it's something that when you replay it, it's so obvious, and you're looking, you're wondering what's going on with people in the booth, like, yeah. and even in the game, Joe Buck and uh, Troy Aikman were saying like he should throw the challenge flag. He was Deshaun was clearly touched, and for some reason Andy doesn't throw he, the challenge. He had
2: flag, it in his hand,
1: had it in his hand, and it's crazy. But looking back on it. If he throws that challenge flag, we don't get this improbable comeback,
2: right? Because they were they were in Giants territory. Yeah, they're point. moving and they're yeah. down
1: two scores. So then, if they score, like it's seven, so it's not as improbable. So it's one of those like funky mistakes that you're like happy now that like, it happened because then we were able to have this. But it kind of, I remember that was what made me upset because from here, once again, like in the first half. The Eagles self-destructing, even though it wasn't really a turnover, but it counts and the lack of Andy throwing the flag, then that's when you get Manning hitting Kevin Boss and it becomes 31-10 with eight minutes left. And that's when you're thinking it's done.
2: Yeah, it's over. And even the Eagles, you know, broadcasters and, and, you know, Mel Reed said it. He was like, this this is pretty much it. Like, you know what I mean? And you felt that way because the Eagles had some momentum. They were driving the ball. And then again, that Deshaun Jackson fumble happened. So then you're like, all right, that that was it. That that was the chance right there to get back in this game, and they couldn't, and they make it happen. So this game is over. You know, let's turn on the red zone.
1: No, exactly. But yeah, you know, so it's thirty-one ten, and we're we're under eight minutes left to go in this game here, and yeah. pretty much it's all she wrote. You think? Yeah. But what happens here from here on out? Some of these plays, you know, starting with that big sixty-five yard bomb to Brent Selleck, Honestly, Jose, when I watched this. To me, it's like, you know, it's not true. There is structure there, but it felt like Vic's in the huddle with the offense and he's saying pretty much, hey, just get open. I'm going to give you three Mississippis. If you're not (laughs) open, I'm taking off running. And, like, that's when you watch it. That's how it feels. It feels like you're watching, like, on a professional level, this big street football game from, like, eight minutes on. It's just just improv.
2: Yeah, and it's like the one guy in the neighborhood who's, like, nobody can catch him. And it's like he pisses you off every time. You see him coming down the street. You don't even want him in the play in the game. And it's like, that was Vic in this game. And and the, the Eagles needed exactly what happened. They needed a quick score. Like, they took minutes off the clock. Not even minutes. Maybe a minute and a half off the clock. And That was exactly what they needed with that pass to Selleck. And it's not like, if you haven't watched the game, it's not like he caught a, like, 50-yard bomb in the air. It was like a straight line drive. Kenny Phillips misses the tackle. And Selleck is, like, rumbling, literally rumbling down the field. And that they get in there, and that boom. That was just like, okay, we're down 14. This thing's still over, though.
1: And it's a pinpoint pass because another Giants like DB could have picked it all. Yeah, he
2: could have undercut it. Yeah, and, yeah, it
1: was right there. And like Brent gets it, and it was a missed tackle. And Selleck's not the fastest guy. Nah. But he gets in there for that touchdown to make it 31 17. And you're right, that make they make it a two touchdown game, 7 28 left. But what we said, like you said it earlier. What makes a great comeback is when everyone's involved, and we gotta, it doesn't get talked about a lot, yeah. I feel, in this, but that special teams play and how smooth it was. You know, David Akers coming on there. And did you realize they had 10 men on the field with that? No, I did not. 10 men were on the field for that play. Yeah, I didn't know that. Which is incredible. Yeah, and some yeah. people wonder, like, was that done on purpose? Because it looks like they're doing a regular kickoff. I mean, what you would get, 728 left. Okay, like defense can get a stop, get the ball back. But gutsy call by Andy yeah. going for the onside kick. But the way they line up.
2: Yeah, look, it was funky.
1: It was like funky, and it's a perf, David gets a perfect one, and Riley Cooper gets it. it it's unbelievable.
2: Yeah, and the Giants were not expecting not it. Not at all. Which I was a little surprised that. But they were not expecting it. They were already down the field to the point where Cooper caught the almost caught the punt almost. It looked like a punt. It was coming that high, and then he caught it and he wasn't even touched. He laid on the ground, and then they you know they ran up and touched him. So it was a great call, great kick by David Akers. Because it's not like today, like the onside kicks are pretty much in, you can't get them anymore. That's
1: what I feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
2: like that at that point in time, the rules weren't changed, and you know you can. It was they were more successful, but he did a great job. With that, and that was like you said, a great call by Andy.
1: I mean, ten men on the field. Yeah, to do that with ten dudes, that makes it even more special. <laughs> yeah, like, and part of me is like, that's pretty cool. I don't know if I want it to be a, a happy mistake or like strategy, because either way, it just adds to the lore. But I'm like, it's, that's pretty badass to do that.
2: But isn't that a penalty or no?
1: I thought it would be. Yeah, I know. I I, I I know too many men on the field for yeah, sure. Yeah. But I I thought ten men too. But I don't know. Either way. Keeps that lore going here. Yeah, it's you it's know?
2: it's all part of the plan.
1: It's, it's that's the evil genius of Andy right yeah, there. But there it, it's know. just it's a part that I feel like obviously we gotta talk about Vic in the offense and, and you know, with the defense holding, but special teams had a huge part in this too that we need to talk about always.
2: Yeah, and this and this next drive is that's when Vic starts starts running around on him. Like, you know, he had this big four I think it was like a forty yard run or something like that. You know, and so now the Giants are really coming after him. But now by doing by doing that is you're leaving running lanes for Vic and you know it was just the one he ran out through the sidelines and just outran everybody yeah then it was the other one where he ran right up the gut you know and he just it was like for another twenty five yards like he he was he, all the tools were on display on this on these couple drives here
1: I mean they and that's why sometimes I think I hear your point with the Giants put like that on, I believe it was this drive where he, Vic he ducks that blitzer. Oh my God. And it's unbelievable, him. you know, for everyone listening, like, go watch it. Like, he ducks the blitz where it reminds me of like Randall Cunningham. It's right. Randall S, how he, like, with Randall duck, you know, Bruce Smith in Buffalo. Yeah. It reminds me of that. And it's like, I can't blame the – John. like, he's supposed to be sacked there.
2: Anybody else probably would have been. Yeah, it's yeah. just –
1: that that was just Vic's – and throughout the game earlier, he was getting sacked on that yeah, play. Yeah, because he
2: tried that same duck move and mm-hmm. they got him, yeah.
1: You know, so it's like just – that was just the greatness and, like, Vic and the team rising up to the occasion, but getting down to, to the six and him running it in to make it a 31-24 game with 528 left. So they're getting these big plays, and like you said, to go – only like pretty much three minutes have really passed. Right. You know, from it being thirty one ten to now it's a one score game and you got five twenty eight. And you could kind of I don't know if you even in the moment, but definitely when you rewatch it, you see the panic all along. When it gets to definitely by the time you hit thirty one twenty four, I think when Vic gets that big run down the sideline, yeah, that's when Giant Stadium is hush. Yep. And you could feel the tension amongst that giant sideline.
2: Yeah, I remember watching that, and I was like, "Yeah, this now the pressure's on the Giants." Yeah, like I, it's yes, the Eagles have to make the comeback, but if you're the if you're a Giants player, it's like we can't lose this game. You know what I mean? Like, and and that's what you can tell. It's it's looking like you got Eli Manning throwing shit up like crazy. Now they can't block the Eagles' defensive line. Now the Eagles are blitzing like crazy, and they can't they're they're getting to Eli or like you know throwing him off his spots and stuff like that. So. And whatever the Eagles are doing offensively is working. So it's like they have both sides of the ball, like just on their heels, and you can and you can just feel it through the TV almost, man. And I know that's like not necessarily the case, but I, I know no, I you felt could. it. Yeah. I, I felt it. You know what I mean? And it's just like, all right, like it's enough, enough time left. We just need one big stop or one big Eli turnover, you know.
1: And, and that to me, and I'll say it, is why that whole. And we stopped that clip at the beginning of the episode with Merrill when it gets to the Tide part. Right. But that's why I love that clip because, Mer- you know, for those who don't know Merrill Reese, he's the radio announcer. And when I listen to him call that. You could feel it, like he's feeling it, like oh, something yeah. different's happening, even before the tie. Like something different is going on here. They're showing fight, and you could feel the momentum. And he's in the stadium, but you could feel it through his words, like it's a shift and something special is happening. And it's like he knew it, he saw it. This was something different happening here, leading all the way up before they get that tie. They tie up at thirty-one, and that to me is why that clip is there. Because you sometimes as a sports fan, you have that feeling. It's just like, wait a minute, something. Like you said, I don't think you're crazy. Like, even through the TV, we're not at the new Meadowlands, but you feel like something's going on here. Some, there's some energy yeah. here. Like, it's coming the Eagles' way. And, like, you kind of, like, I can't believe it. This team was dead for three and a half quarters, but something happening. Something's happening here. It's changing right now.
2: Yeah, like, I've I, I read stuff, like, you know, even at halftime, Asante Samuel, who was not, like, a vocal leader, was out there kind of like getting the guys up and talking about look, we're getting our asses kicked here. Who's got the heart? Who if you don't have any heart, don't come out on the field. And, you know, for you see a guy like that, who again is not a vocal leader, kind of step up, who's had success. You know what I mean? At that point he had won a Super Bowl with New England. So it's like, you know, like, all right, like I don't know if that did anything when the Giants were up thirty one to ten when they scored that touchdown, they put eye the tiger on. Yeah. You know, and it's to state, mock you know, the Eagles. To mock the Eagles. So they're they're just giving themselves bad juju as well, man. But Again, once you once stuff starts clicking and you see the other team on its heels, you gotta go after them. And the Eagles definitely did that for sure.
1: No, oh, so then we get to it and Vic is still doing his thing. You know, I, I believe on this drive is when he just starts hitting over a hundred yards rushing yep, now. He does. And to me it's an awesome play when he hits Macklin. Ah, beautiful. And play. Macklin shakes. Terrell Thomas, and he gets in there and ties it up 31-31. He
2: throws the ball against the the back.
1: And Macklin was not really an expressive it. receiver, but right. he was showing it there.
2: I loved Macklin, too. I man.
1: Uh, I, I thought he was so underappreciated yeah. here.
2: I, I met him at Chicken and Pete's in South Philly when it might have been his rookie year. It was his rookie year, he had Mizzou stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, he was super cool. And I remember a quick side story. Like I, I didn't know it was him standing over there. But I saw the girl he was with, and I was like, damn, who's that? <laughs> and when she got to the table, I was like, oh, shit, that's Jeremy Macklin. So anyway, but I, I loved Macklin. I thought him and Jackson together were a nice, like, perfect combination.
1: Absolutely. And I think I agree. You said it. Like, those two together with Deshaun Jackson being that great deep threat, but Macklin being that awesome possession receiver. Yeah, with some speed still. right. I felt like they were like that good yin and yang to really throw a defense off. I loved having those two together. And Deshaun was the bigger personality, and he was the, the big play you know, receiver. I get that, but I felt Jerry Macklin was just as valuable, and I, I really did think he was underappreciated.
2: Yeah, and I, I think Deshaun Jackson was probably one of the best deep threats of all time in the NFL. And look, Thanksgiving, this is 2021, and he's still catching fifty-yard touchdown passes. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Like it's it's and he still looks the same speed like he did in you know this game here twenty ten. It, it's he's incredible. I mean, I know he's not you know the best receiver of all time. I'm not saying that at all, but man, his speed is just different type of speed.
1: Yeah, yeah. Honestly, before Tyreek Hill, yeah, yeah, it was Deshaun Jackson. Now Tyreek has exceeded it. Tyreek's yeah, I think so. Tyreek's probably the biggest deep threat freak. Like him and like and Moss is different. Moss was the height. The jumping ability and the speed. Yeah, Moss had it all, though. Yeah, but Tyreek for just pure speed, it's it's pretty impressive. But Deshaun, to me, was...
2: At this era, it was he, Deshaun. It was him.
1: He yeah. was the guy Like defenses looked to. When you looked at the Eagles, who you stopping first, number 10.
2: Yeah, it was like guy under, safety up top, you had to against the Eagles. And again, going back to my point about this offense, it's like this offense had everything. You know, they had Brent Selleck, who, again, wasn't the best tight end in the league, but he can get open and he can catch a lot of passes. And most importantly, and he could block. block. Yep.
1: You <laughs> know, gets- which we forget with tight ends nowadays. Right. But he could also block.
2: Yeah. And then again, you had those two wide receivers. You had Jason Avant. This is your third wide receiver who wasn't the fastest wide the receiver. Great hands. Fucking catch anything. This dude caught every pass, man. And then again, I will go back to my guy, you know, Shady McCoy, man. He can do a lot of stuff out of the backfield, too. So again, this offense was scary, man. And I'm not. I'm not comparing it to like the 89-49ers or like those 90s Cowboys or those 90s Bills, but, you know, this this offense was a problem.
1: No, and it's this kind of offense that can do this, that can get three touchdowns pretty much in in six minutes, you know. Like that's the kind of offense that you need. Like we're having that much speed and like so many threats on it. And so we look at it, it's 31-31 tied up with a minute left. And the Eagles defense comes out, you know, Trevor Laws gets that sack. Trevor Laws. You know, good old Trevor Laws. Um, and it winds up, hey. The it Giants, was like a
2: quick three Now
1: It was a really quick three It was like three two
2: terrible passes by Eli and then that sack by Trevor Laws. And they was,
1: weren't ready. Nah. They weren't. Eli and Kevin Gilbright were not ready on that sideline. And it becomes like, boom, it's quick.
2: Yeah, and I think it was that, I think when he got the sack it was like 53 seconds left in the game. And I think they ran the clock down. To like 12 or 14. I think they put two seconds back they on the did. clock. So it was like 14 seconds. So you're like, all right, this thing's going in overtime. That's
1: what I thought. I really did. And I was, at that point, you're, my eyes are bugging out. I'm like, wow, this game I thought was done. Let's go to red zone. Scott Hanson, we're going to OT here. This is incredible. But that wouldn't have been the perfect ending. Nah.
2: So let me ask you a question. Say you like, they would have kept it on red zone and you've seen all these Eagles touchdowns boom, boom come in. You would have to put that game back on. Oh man.
1: yeah, we, we would have went there anyway. Yeah, yeah, so that's true. That's a good thing about Red Zone. We would have been seen, but I would have been knowing a lot of people apologize. They'd be like, "What are you doing? Like, my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad." So Yo, we, we kept it on there.
2: Side note that that um, Bills comeback against the Oilers. I, I stepped off at halftime. I went down the street, <laughs> hung out for a little bit, came back, and they were down seven. I was like, "Oh no, I missed this fucking comeback." But anyway,
1: no, no, it, it was one of those one. I give Chris Estevez... I give him credit like he yeah, Chris. He stayed with it and we would have missed this play coming up and you know we're setting it up because we started it You heard Eagles broadcaster the great Merrill Reese and Mike Quick you know giving you all the way up to the tie from when it's 31-10 to all the build up up to the 31-31 but there's two great calls with this this great punt return you know there's Meryl Reese's but also Joe Buck and Troy Aikman yeah. have a pretty awesome call with it too
2: yeah and I and I um you know I, I even love what Aikman talked about before you know um Matt Dodge punted the ball and he was saying like you know that Coughlin wasn't comfortable with him was like directional punting yeah and Aikman was spot on and he was like look Deshaun Jackson is going to get a return here let's see what happens and We all know what happened.
0: I don't think Tom Coughlin's real comfortable asking Matt Dodge to directional kick. I mean, he can bomb it, but even Tom Coughlin said, you know, trying to angle it and ask him to do certain things at this stage of his career is is difficult for him. So in all likelihood, Deshaun Jackson's going to at least get a return. And Deshaun Jackson, who has averaged 14th best in the NFL, 8.7 yards per return, has not returned one for a touchdown this year. Wait and it's a line drive kick Jackson bobbles it and now has to try and recover Deshaun Jackson gets a block are you kidding Deshaun Jackson still not in and now in for the touchdown no flags unbelievable no time left Eagles win
2: that's a great call, great call, great, great call. call. And what, what's crazy before that punt, uh, Asante Samuel goes to Deshaun Jackson. It was like, look, you bring it to the house, I, I owe you something. I got five thousand if you if you bring it back to the house. And after the game, said I, I owe him something. <laughs> yeah, he does. But Joe Buck, that was a great call, great call by Aikman. Yeah, you know what I mean about you know Coughlin and his confidence in Matt Dodge, and we see after this game. Who Coughlin went right to, yeah. you know, because that was the mo- That was one of the worst punts of all time.
1: It was a beeline right for him.
2: Beeline, dude. He kicked it right to Jackson. I think to the point where I think it, like, startled Jackson a little bit. I think that's why he dropped it, because he was not expecting that
1: punt. No, no. And that's why it was interesting. Like, Tom, not shaking him. He- not no. He went right to Matt Dodge. Right
2: to Matt Dodge.
1: But, so that's the Joe Buck and Troy Aikman call. So, wouldn't be right if we start this episode off with Merrill Reese and Mike Quick, we have to hear their call on this awesome play. Yep.
0: 14 seconds to go. 31-31. Matt dodged the punt. Gets a high snap. Gets it away. It's a knuckle. Jackson takes it at the 35. Picks it up. Looks the running road. He's in the fourth. He's in the third. And the Giants fans can't believe it. And the Eagles have just pulled off the most remarkable win I have ever seen.
2: Let me ask you a question, Jeremy. When he was running around on the goal line, did that freak you out a little bit? Because it freaked me out.
1: Yeah, I was like, just get in.
2: Because I think if he just runs it in, it's even better. You know what I mean? I think that, look, it was a great play. Don't get me wrong. It just... I just wanted him to run it right in.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't, especially because Deshaun had the history with the ball, with the dropping the in, ball in '08. Yeah, you know when they, that Monday night game at Dallas. So I was like. You of all people, don't take just get in the damn end zone. <laughs> so I'm like, you only. I'm like, the game's done. Like we know, like yeah. like they're not coming back from this. I don't care if they have two seconds left or one second. Just get in the end zone. Yeah, like I was uh, freaking out. Like I, I was like, what? Just 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 end it. Just ice it. Just let's move on. Um, if he throws the ball in the
2: crowd. I would have kept that ball.
1: Yeah, I I would have kept it too. But let me ask you. Man, my brother asked me this earlier this week. Which call do you like better? Joe Buck and Aikman, Meryl Reese and Mike Quick. I know Merrill Reese has the Remember the Titans music with it and all, yeah, but yeah. but which call do you honestly like better?
2: I like the Mel Reese call, but I really like what Mike Quick added to that. You know what I mean? Like and him yelling and it's like, you know, Merrill Mel's calling to play and he's excited, but Mike Quick is yelling on the top of his, you know, he's he's screaming, man, and it that's to me. What what made the play even better? Because the Joe Buck Joe Buck does a great job, but it's just like he's also letting the crowd like into that. You know what I mean? Like he he's making a call and then just kind of pausing and just letting us feel what the crowd is is doing. You know, Mel and, and Mike were not doing that. They were they were passionate and they were yelling because they were excited. But I, I love what Mike Quick added to that. What What about you, Darren? Well,
1: that's the thing. I think. If I can, like, Mike Quick makes that call at the end. Now, Merrill leading up to that, that's to me his best work I've ever heard him do was that comeback, those last eight minutes of the game. Yeah. But I think for that, the play, for that that punt return, I like Joe Buck because, you know, when it comes to like local or like local broadcast for a team, they're allowed to show more emotion. A national broadcast is more straight. But then when you hear like Joe Buck, his surprise, even though, like you said, great. Analysis by Aikman to talk, bring up Matt Dodge and yeah. directionally punting it. But his surprise that like, oh, he actually punted it to Deshaun. And then when you hear, gets a block? Are you kidding? And then he yeah. starts freaking like that. Yeah,
2: once the block came, his voice went up like to five knots.
1: Yeah, notches. and that's what I really like because like to hear how shocked he was. And he, you know, tries to – like. i I'm someone – I like Joe Buck. Oh,
2: I, I love Joe Buck. I, I know a lot of Philly fans hate him. Yeah. I, I love a Joe Buck. A lot of
1: people Buck. across the country, yeah, I, I like him. Uh, I think he's better at baseball than even for football. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. But he tries to keep it kind of, like, straight. But I feel like they're, like – I don't blame him. Like, the emotion hits because it is one of the most miraculous plays in this, you know, to cap off a of miraculous comeback. Yeah. So I, I – for that play, it's Joe Buck. Merrill's whole – comeback call is to me should be in the Hall of Fame just how great it
2: is because that one Vic run in the fourth I think it was like that 40 yard or when he dove it like in the five yard line he was screaming on that play yeah you know Mel Reese and it it was just that was cool to hear and as the team was building this momentum he was also building that momentum but again like you said Joe Buck was as as cool as he can be man and I, I think also the Aikman analysis and the Joe Buck call were, were really really spot on man it, it was just you can't go wrong with either one um i always i don't really listen to the radio when i'm watching the game i'm always like you know wherever the game is on that's what i'm yeah. listening to so uh, i i i didn't hear that Mel Reese call for like a year after
1: oh okay yeah
2: like and i was just like oh my god that would have been great to No be i
1: i um i grew up always um Always playing Meryl, so even like going to the vet, like year, you know years ago, you bring headphones and radio. like yeah, listen. Like Meryl was always like the guy, so um, I always like to me it was no problem like traveling during an Eagles game because as long as I had Merrill, I was good. Like like so I I've someone grew up always listening to the radio. I love radio, and so Meryl was like that was an instant when I got in the car and left. I wanted to hear like WIP the local Philly station and I wanted to hear them play Merrill's calls cuz like to me he's just he's he's the voice when I think of local broadcasters for NFL like there's none better than Merrill so I I wanted to hear him do this so I heard that one like pretty quick but you know I want to say this like looking on the other side there's two things yeah for the Giants Ah, uh, the punter Matt Dodge and Jose, you brought it up. Tom Coughlin goes when Deshaun scores, he's not looking to shake Andy Reid's hands. He's going up to Matt Dodge, going, "Why'd you punt it to him? Yeah, why didn't you punt it out of bounds?" And Matt Dodge is—he has no words. He's lost. Yeah, he,
2: he's—he's—he has that blank face. Like, what did I? What just happened? You know what I mean? And because I, at first, I thought he was the one that got hit at the end there, but he wasn't. He just completely whiffed on Deshaun Jackson. But yeah, he was shell shocked. And again, this is what sports can do to you, man. Like it can put you in a place where you're Deshaun Jackson and you're the you know, happiest person yeah. in the stadium, you know what I mean? And and the most excited person when I mean, you have the other side of that coin where it's like you're you're the reason why this team just lost. You know, and he's not the reason, you know what I mean? But he's the reason that last play happened and man, like I, I did not want to be him at that he's point. He's a rookie. Yeah.
1: And after though know, this is week fifteen. After this season, he never punts. In the NFL again.
2: Yeah. So that's.
1: He gets released after this.
2: Yeah. That's that's how bad this punt was, you know, because again, like, and he was told not to punt it to Deshaun Jackson. And that's the crazy part. And it's like, he not only punted to him, but he hits a line drive to him. Like, in any part of the game, like, that's a Mm no-no, right? Especially to a dangerous returner like Jackson was, because he is. He's one of the all-time, I think, best punt returns because of that speed, like, and he just hits a line drive to him. Like, at, like, the 50-yard line, like, 40-yard line. Like it, it's just, that's not, that's, like, that's exactly what not to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he just does it, and we all know what happened.
1: You know? And I read this article on Matt Dodge because I, I kind of wonder, like, what, I knew he got cut, but did anyone say what happened to him? And he talked about, like, he he owned it, like, years later like his mistake and he said yeah coach Coughlin was mad at him but coach Coughlin didn't like really throw him on it he was frustrated but in front of the media didn't just like blame it all on Matt Dodge and he said he still respects you know coach Coughlin as a man and that was the low point in his life and he tried for teams you know for a while but couldn't get back you know in the NFL but he wound up turning his life around and and wound up you know getting to a different career, meeting his wife through that and stuff. So I kind of felt that was good. Like he, you know,
2: I love him. You know, oh
1: like well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you
2: know what I mean. I, I love Matt Dodge, so I don't have a problem. With but
1: it's a good story because, like you said, because like you go through like you're the goat, but yeah. And on that stage, like that's what you're known for. Like if you say Matt Dodge, you know, probably especially like the New York area or like you said in Philly. Yeah, I know Matt Dodge for one play. I don't know him for anything else. Yeah. So, like, on that stage, you you get, like, you know, like you said, and I want to get into that, too, is a lot of people to blame for that Giants oh, collapse, yeah. Oh, yeah. but he's the one everyone's pointing to. So the fact that he owns it, I give him credit. He didn't hide, didn't run away, because a big thing to me, the connected, we talked about these crazy Eagles-Giants games, the story of when Brian Westbrook had a punt return in 03, for the Eagles to beat the Giants, and Jim Fossil went up to the the punter after that game and said, "When we talk to the media, say that you that I told you not to punt to him," hmm. and really tried to like you know not take the blame for it or right. put himself out there. He wanted the punter to take all the blame for it.
2: And that punt wasn't even like a terrible punt. Like if I'm not if I remember right it bounced right off the ground. And yeah. Westbrook called it off the bounce, and it was like an 84-yard touchdown run. Now, the play with that is, like, that game spearheaded the Eagles. You know, the Eagles went on a nice run there. But the crazy part is they could not do anything offensively against the Giants. And we were, I was talking about earlier, like, how, like, the robbery shifts. And it, at that point, the Giants were dominating the Eagles. Like, the Eagles could not beat the Giants. And that game kind of, like, shifted that, too. And the Eagles, they were down... 13-7 to seven or something like that, yeah. and that return kind of, they couldn't do anything offensively, and that return put them over and there so the game.
1: Me, And so to me, you know, you know, I rest in peace, you know, Jim Foss is no longer here, but it's to say, like, I give, Coughlin could have just pointed the finger, he didn't right. do that, and Matt Dodge respected him for that. And so, like, you know, these are the kind of plays, especially in all sports, but Eagles-Giants lore, right. these funky plays, a lot of people get fired yeah. after these kind of plays, uh, Jim. F- I was Jim Fossil's last year with the Giants. You know, Matt Dodge lost his job after this. Back with Miracle to the Meadowlands, the Giants completely cleaned house after that. You know, yeah. rightfully so. <laughs> rightfully so. So these games, like you know, the, these big games like this and this rivalry divisional, it matters. Yeah. So I I give Tom Coughlin not pointing it at Matt Dodge like, in front of everyone publicly doing that, but I wanted to ask. I know people are going to get upset, those Giants fans listening, but, you know, it's always a debate. Not a debate. I think he's going to get in the Hall of Fame, Eli Manning, but to me, Ooh. a lot of people wonder if he should. For those who say, I'm not going to say right now whether what I feel, but for those who say Eli shouldn't get into the Hall of Fame, I'm not saying it should be. Do you think this should be one of the exhibits, this no. game?
2: Oh, This game. This game. Um, like
1: if people for those who say Eli Manning is not a Hall of Famer do you think one of the points they bring up should be Miracle at the New Meadowlands
2: as a case against him
1: as a case that he's not a Hall of Famer
2: I mean I, I I mean he's a part of it and he's a big reason why this comeback happened you know what I'm saying like and it's just for me it's like it's his career you know what I mean like it's it's glimpses of like he plays really well and even in this game, he played okay. Like, it's not like he was lights out. And then there's glimpses of, like, damn, this dude is not really that good of a quarterback. You know what I mean? And it's just, like, this game had it all. You know, he had a couple drives there where he was he was hitting Manningham. You know, he had Hakeem like, Hicks on a nice play, and that's it. You know what I'm saying? But when it's bad, Eli, it's, like, really, really bad. You know what I mean? And then just, like, this game kind of just— like it was just like a capsule of like his career. It's like you might get some good moments, but most of all, it's not a lot of good moments. And it's just more of like, you know, almost mistakes and then some mistakes. And I just think I don't think you can hold this game against him as like a Hall of Fame like argument. But I, I don't think he's a Hall of Fame player. You know what I'm saying? Like so for me, it's that's I think that's why. Like if I guess if you want him in there, like I, I don't know, but I just don't think he's a Hall of Fame player.
1: Uh, the reason why I bring this up is because this is an epic collapse absolutely like this is one of the biggest collapses in NFL history regular season or not like it's just a big one and I look at it for those who say Eli's a Hall of Famer I'm not saying this should be the first thing but when you look at other people who are great quarterbacks just keep it to this era do you think his brother Peyton if he got a team if he's up 31 10 eight no. minutes left someone's coming back on him no he's gonna no. you know no. what I mean like no. Big Ben we can go to Big Ben we can go yeah. to different people like I don't think like when you're that great I look at like I compare like Eli not a Hall of Famer in my opinion and on a much bigger stage this game but the Super Bowl Matt Ryan not a Hall of Famer yeah if those great quarterbacks get the job done they're they're closing a team out like that and especially that late in the game and I'm looking at Eli like I said it's not the first thing I'm going to bring up but I kind of wonder because other great quarterbacks of that era, I don't see this happening. No. Not I, this late. Not 31-10 with eight minutes left.
2: Not for the division. You know what I'm in, saying? Yeah, like, exactly. Good you, point. You know, it's it's it, this game had a lot of weight to it, you know, and it wasn't just like a regular big-time Eagles-Giants game. It's like whoever wins this is pretty much going to win the division. And, you know, to come up like that, and yeah, he hit, you know, balls for a touchdown, I think it was in the fourth quarter, you know, to, I mean, to put him up 31-10, but. You know, there was again. We talked about that last drive. It was a quick three and out, and it was two ugly passes, and you know the one sack. But it, it was just, you know, I I loved Eli Manning because he was <laughs> he was a turnover machine, man. Yeah, you know what I'm saying like, and I just knew when we played the Giants, we were going to have opportunities to to make plays. And he, even this game, he didn't disappoint. It was just a lot of plays were not made by the Eagles' defense. But yeah, it's if you look at other players, and even if we want to look at like you mentioned in this era, man, and just like, even like a Phillip Rivers, does Philip Rivers lose this game? I don't know. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's another, like, toss-up. But, you know, I don't think so. Not the way he just lost this game. So it's just, it's a good argument, though. Like, I love the Eli Manning Hall of Fame art Because he's getting in.
1: Yeah, he's going to, I don't think he should. I
2: don't think he should. But it's the Manning brand. name in New York <laughs> yeah, and all that. He's and, getting in.
1: And I think... I just look at it. I never, not until getting ready for rewatching the game for this episode, that I'm like, this is like just awful. Like no one's talking. Like you know, the Giants' defense got burned by Vic, but like, where's he, he where's the bad. offense? The offense it was quick. Like they're boom off the field. And also, I know we have the Eli face, and like it's it's pretty epic and it's funny. And leadership styles are different. Not everyone has to be the yeller like you saw, like Peyton was or Tom Brady. But when you see clips, when you rewatch it, and you see when this comeback's happening, Eli just looks confused and yeah. lost. And to me, his energy says, I'm scared.
2: Yeah, and everybody's going to feed off of that. Right. As, quote, unquote, the the leader and the quarterback. So, you know, and the thing is, with, and then with the other sideline, the Eagles sideline, it was completely different. You know, and Vic was, like, trying to get these guys going, and he was playing well, and he was making plays, and it's like, guys are going to follow that. Guys are going to feed off of that. So, like, you mentioned, like, the Jeremy Macklin... Throwing the ball against the backstop. You mentioned, you know, like we talked about Asante Samuel. We talked about a couple guys on defense, and you got, you know, Deshaun Jackson making plays, and you got Vic getting up and spiking the ball. You know what I mean? Deshaun throwing it in the crowd. Like these guys were hype and excited because they were feeding off each other. You look at that Giants team; they were, they were done. They were at, done. They were done when the Eagles tied it up, or even when they got when the score was thirty-one to twenty-four. They were done. And they were they were running the ball. my Bradshaw, who's a he was killer on the low. Yeah, he was. He was running the ball really well in this game, and they just stopped giving him the ball. It was just a total meltdown. You mentioned Kevin Gilbride; he was a big part of this loss too. And it's just they just shit the bed. The Giants as a, as a whole team, you know and what I mean? Did. All three phases, and they this is what happens when you do things like that.
1: And you know, like Jose said, this game was pretty much for the division, and the Eagles win the division this year. Yeah, And the Giants wind up finishing ten and six but miss the playoffs.
2: Yeah. That's that's when I hear teams like that, I was looking at for for another Eagles team that we were talking about. Um when you go ten and six and miss the playoffs, that's tough, man. It's hard. Double yeah. digit
1: wins and you miss. It's tough pill to swallow.
2: Yeah, that's tough.
1: What I can say, and as much as I, you know, my Eagle fandom and I don't like the Giants. It was a rough year The next year for the, they were 9-7, and seven, but I can give them credit because this is the kind of stuff that breaks teams up. The Giants do go on and win their second Super Bowl with Eli that next year. Right. So I can give them credit for they missed the playoffs in 2010, but the resiliency, they bounce back and go on that run to get this, their second Super Bowl, you know, that Manning-Coughlin era. I can give them credit for that.
2: Yeah, and especially, but for me, like I, I'll give the team credit but for me, it was more, and we all know the story, like the defense and all that, how great they played in that those playoff runs. But to me, that speaks to me more about the defense and, like, and the guys they had on that defensive side. And, you know, because when I look at this Giants team, it's the total, I look at that defense the total opposite when I look at that offense and run by Eli Manning and a couple other players they had. It's yeah. like that defense, man, it's like. There's guys on there I can really respect and, and would love on my team. Like, I wouldn't want Eli Manning on the Eagles. You know what I'm saying? No, like, no, no. And I get he won two Super Bowls, but you give me Strahan. You give me Tuck. You give me you Minora. You give me – like, there was more players on that defense that I – man, I would love to have on my team. Well,
1: what I give credit for is, right, to me the defense was the leaders of the – they were the guys that got the job done. Eli mates sprinkled in some plays, but the defense is what carried it. But I give credit to Tom Coughlin. Right, right, right. Because we do see that time and time, and we talk about it on this podcast so many times where you see it present day, but you look back – where, hey, just a tough loss or a kind of a tough moment and teams collapse after that. They don't bounce back. Franchises collapse. Yeah, Errors
2: collapse. And you mentioned guys get fired. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Guys get cut. Guys get traded. Guys get released because of games like this. So, you know, you, you look at it, the Giants
1: stuck with Coughlin and Coughlin, these guys rallied and did get their second Super Bowl. So I can respect that. I always yeah. will respect, no matter who you are, that resiliency, but... When you look at this twenty ten game, it's it's just uh it's fun to see. It was fun to look back and see that Eli face and to see Tom Coughlin's reaction with Matt Dodge. It's it just uh felt good. It always brings a smile to my you know, my face and I always for a regular season game, to know exactly where you were, the people you were with, there's some people I was with that day I have not seen since this game. Right. But I won't forget them. Yeah, because we watched this game together, and that's that's the specialness of this game.
2: Yeah, there's there are certain plays in my head that I would never forget. You know what I'm saying? Like in like I was talking about that Monday night game. Um, it was this season, right? It was a 2010, yeah, 2010 yeah. against the Reds against Washington, excuse me. And that first Vic to the Sean Jackson bomb. It was like I was by myself, and I jumped up and yelled like. And you, I'm not like that. You you talked about it earlier. Like you know that Super Bowl run, a couple plays in that Super Bowl run to like Brandon Graham stripped ser- like sack and all that strip search, <laughs> strip sack and um no but this this Deshaun Jackson punt return I like you said I knew exactly where I was with where I was at I would never forget that play or this game yeah so
1: it's it's always fun to look back on it and I always kind of got to remember to do this because you know for and it's, it's interesting because it's always about perspective because for like, whether it's this play in 2010 or in 78, I'm like Miracle at the Meadowlands, Miracle at the New Meadowlands, but then you don't think that's from the Eagles' point of view, yeah. but the Giants, they look at the Miracle at the New Meadowlands, that's not what they're going to call it, it's called the punt. Yeah. Herm Edwards' play is called the fumble, and it's something I'm like, yeah, I gotta look, that's true. Yeah, like,
2: Chuck McNary is the hit.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, like, so there's there's a couple perspectives there, so... Whether you look at it from Miracle, at the New Meadowlands, or you look at it as the punt, this is a all time classic game, and to me, one of the top games I think of the past, you know, ten, fifteen years. Definitely for regular season, yeah, this is at the top of the list for me.
2: No, nah, it, it was a great game, and you know, I know we were like talking shit on Giants and Giants fans, but I, I do, for me, like. From the outside, I do respect that organization. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I always, like, it's, we we always talk about, you know, you know you always hear me reference, like, certain teams like that, those, like, late 80s Giants, I would have loved to watch them play. You know what oh, I'm saying? Yeah. Like, those LT teams and all that, like, tons of respect. Bill Parcells, we can't talk about them enough. Bill Belichick, like, all that, all those players that came from that organization, they're a great organization, but that's what make this, like, these two teams going against each other so, so much better. It's like... They've been pretty good for a while now. I know the Giants like and the Eagles had their moments where they weren't that good, but you know these these seasons here, when they were both really competitive and a lot of talent on their team, they, these games were so much fun to watch. So. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad we did this one, though.
1: Absolutely, man. This was this was fun. And uh, for anyone, go on YouTube and watch these clips. Watch the clip where you can see Merrill and Mike Quick yeah. uh, doing their awesome call. And you can listen to Joe Buck. But this is, it's just that awesome and that fun to to always revisit this game but jose this is special man i appreciate it man always yeah man for sure and we want to get special credit special props to producer extraordinaire mr vince quinn vince for the man that myth the legend mr jose ruiz i'm deremy dove thank you guys for listening to bigger than the game take care peace